Welcome back to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by your trash talking, go with your gut, three P champion, and a numbers loving, spreadsheet obsessed nerd to bring you some sort of consensus for your listening pleasure. Who am I joined by? You're joined by at FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Todd, we're back, baby. Vacate. You know, we're, we're in summer. We're, we're in the middle of a heat wave. And we're going to bring the heat for Tale to Rivals tonight. We're talking wide receiver tiers. We were saving the best for last. I'm not sure if we're doing tight ends, but, man, I'm excited to get into it tonight. I'm going to be bringing so much animosity into this after having replaced the motor on my pump to my pool today. Bringing it to the show, David. I'm angry. Brr. Dude, it took me like two days to fix my garbage disposal, man. So, yeah, I feel you. Bring it. No, yeah. I mean, having a pool has been great. Just got back from Maine with the fam. Water was freezing. Jackson did not care about that and was in it most of the time. Tons of memories. Looks like we're going to rent that place again next year. And we're on the vacation, too, in two days, where we're going to spend four days at a lake up in New Hampshire. Joe's extended family has a bunch of properties on that lake. So uh, the second packing in two week is not ideal. But it will be a great time, David. It will be. What's going on with you, buddy? Nice, nice. It's unfortunate that your second vacation is in a lesser state of New Hampshire. Um, but I'm glad you got to enjoy vacation land the way life should be. I agree that New Hampshire is a lesser state. I will give you that. <laughs> I, I like New Hampshire a lot, too, so don't get me wrong. So, But yeah, so I'm glad you had a great time in Maine, man. It's always fun to get away uh, with the family. And But for me, my friend, it's potifying time, baby. I've uh, had a lot of fun working with the sponsors for the Potathon, getting their live reads and set up and all the stuff that goes behind the scenes. So that's been a lot of fun. But besides that Potathon stuff, I, I mean, Todd, it's been strictly honeydew list time. Been finished the nursery. That's all painted and prepped and things are set up. And then uh, yeah, just been doing all kinds of stuff, checking things off the honeydew list, man, to make the nest as perfect as possible before the baby comes in. I think we're at we're at like 37 days, man. Wild. 37 days, man. Wow. How you feeling? Feeling great. Feeling great. I uh I was actually talking to uh my buddy Ben and I was just telling him, man like just trying to have as little expectations as possible, approach it with an open mind, open heart and just uh whatever comes just try and enjoy it because you know, you only get to experience these things X amount of times for as long. So just try to enjoy it all as I can, you know, enjoy the waiting process, enjoy the excitement beforehand. Just try, just try to enjoy it because, you know, if you don't, it's, it's going to be gone before you, before you know it. It's, it's an amazing experience. If the child comes out a little purple, that's totally normal. It freaked me out, bro. I was like, I was like, is he supposed to be that color? Yes. He just came to life. <laughs> oh, we're doing a Tale of Two Rivals live stream, man. That's the that's the goal. We're we're streaming from the delivery room. Am I hosting? Tears. Yeah. We're, oh, yeah. We're talking tears. Scott Fishbowl. We're talking everything from the delivery room. Keep quit. You know, Quinn loves listening to podcasts. So it keeps her mind off everything. All right. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll come in. You know, I'll make sure we have some soundboard for this one. Da, 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 da. It'll be perfect. 
I love it. And, I love it. Lo- and love video it. stream too. We're, we're we're getting video. Heck stream. yeah. Well, like yeah, we can let uh, Quinn decide who's the winner of the debates. That's perfect, dude. I love this. Oh, I yeah. love this. Maybe get the doctor to chime in. The nursing, you know, maybe, I, I, you know, maybe we'll have a we'll, we'll do a couple underdog leagues with the nursing staff done. Love it. Love it. <laughs> oh, your wife's a saint. <laughs> you ready to get into the question of the day, my friend? Oh man, I'm excited for this question today. Excited. All right. Uh, this one came from Dave. This was a good one. And I have to interrupt, Todd. I did. They talked a little bit about the Olympics on the Fantasy Players Club, so it really got my mind going. Like it. Dave thought, what is your favorite summer Olympic sport? David, would you go first or second? I'll go first here. I personally found this to be one of our harder question of days that I can really remember. For me, it's really tough to narrow it down to just one or a couple. Be- and. What I love about the Olympics is I want to know about the names I don't know. There aren't millions of, I don't care about the players who make millions of dollars playing their sport, you know, that I can find on a major network or on ESPN or uh, playing soccer on Sundays or whatever it is. I want, I want that narrative of that person who spent the majority of their life trying to become the best in the world at that, whatever athletic event that they're training for. I, uh, seeing the sacrifices, the pushing the limits chasing their dream and seeing it all in their face on the highest level to me is just, it's really, it, it's a unique experience as far as a sports, someone who loves sports. So I really enjoy that. I'm not, I don't get into the whole fake nationalism thing representing the country. I'm not about that. I really just care about that journey of the individual and what it takes to become the best at, at what they're doing. I, I find that really special. And for me, those, some of those events for me are, I love the track and field events because obviously I'm a little biased, uh, with coaching, but then I love the swimming and uh, the gymnastics too, man. I love, to, I don't know what it is, but those, those events get me going. And, and you'd think that's kind of weird coming from a guy who loves his team sports, but yeah, those are my three big ones, Todd. What about you? It was pretty easy for me. It's a bit of a cop out. So uh, I'm a massive basketball fan. It was my first love, still love the game. I mean, the Olympic basketball is it, dude. Uh, 92 Dream Team was probably the first team I watched. I was like nine for that Olympics. So that makes sense. It was the first one I remembered. And talk about your first introduction to Olympic basketball was an '92 Dream Team. I definitely remember the Yugoslavia teams. It's such good. And I love actually watching the non-USA games. My favorite non-USA team is definitely Spain, which is a bit of a cop-out because it's the second te- best team in the world. But they just play the game with so much great panace and like the way they share the ball. And it's great, man. It- it's fun to watch it on an international level. It's a totally different style of play. What about our Lithuanian followers, Todd? You don't like Lithuanian basketball? Love Lithuania, dude. Love Lithuania. Big in Argentina. Slovenia is even fun to watch. Yeah, man. I mean, it's fun. I even like watching Brazil a couple of Olympics ago, and they were really fun with Nene and stuff. And they were just like, played really hard, played really fast. So yeah, I love the international basketball scene. But since that's a cop-out for me, because clearly I've, it's well on record that I'm a huge basketball fan. I love the sprinting events, dude. The 100 and the 200 all day. Freaking so fun to watch. But I would probably pick the floor for women's gymnastics over both of those events. That is a lot of fun to watch. A lot Unbelievable. Uh, dude, the gymnastics, because the, the you talk about pressure, man. What these gymnasts go through, the pressure that to do these incredible events, man, it, like these feats of strength and athleticism and, and agility. Unbelievable, Todd, to watch it. And you see it play out live. It's uh, I, I'm excited. I 
I've been I've been going crazy for the trials. I've been like bloodthirsty for these trials, trying to get every clip, watching these people set world records. I have been loving the the Olympics this year. There was like eight or nine years ago, Todd, where I wasn't thrilled about the Olympics, but man, I don't know what it is, but I am in, baby. I am in. I can't wait, too, dude. It just um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I just I'll throw on the Olympics for whatever is on and get absorbed into it. Curling in winter a couple years ago when uh, I was living J. Powell, Drew, and Ballard. Those people Dave knows, and none of you all, most of you others don't. But um, we got really into curling during one Winter Olympics, and I still love curling to this day. So yeah, uh, the Olympics definitely can introduce you to the sports you don't typically watch, and it's just a lot of fun. All right, Dave, ready to get into this topic? Let's do it. We've already done our QB tiers, we did our RB tiers, so guess what it's time for? Our wide receiver tiers! So, like I said, we're going to continue with that series. Uh, it's well documented on here that Dave and I both greatly enjoy building through the wide receiver position. So tonight we're going to go through three, we're going to go three tiers deep into our analysis. Without further ado, Dave, how does your process differ with wide receivers than, say, running backs? I think the biggest thing for me is that I view the running back position as a volume-driven position, whereas, of course, volume matters for wide receivers, but volume is more earned than just a strictly the coach deciding who's going in for a handoff or whatever. So I think I try to really focus on talent evaluation and focusing on the yeah, – that's basically my, the biggest differential. While I love – you know, I, I definitely think talent matters for running backs, don't get me wrong, but it's just a totally a different ball game. When it comes to wide receivers versus running backs, and I, I really enjoy wide receivers talking wide receivers, man. So I'm really excited for tonight. How about you? Do you have a difference, sir? Well, I have a follow up question. How would you define talent when it comes to wide receivers? Well, targets, you know, targets are earned, not given. So I think that's basically talent, like how well someone accrues targets, how how they earn their volume. I think running backs, yeah, they, you know, if you're good at running the ball, you get more volume usually. But sometimes, no, maybe it's just a strict running back philosophy that they believe in sharing the load and stuff like that. But usually when it comes to wide receivers, if they're that good, they're going to demand more targets because that's just the nature of the wide receiver position. So that's, that's kind of, does that answer your question? It certainly does because I would say that's my number one thing is just targets all day. Target share. Sure. It can sway me one, just the raw number of targets and yards. Those are the two raw stats that I pay the most attention to. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, receptions and TDs play a role in it, but they're just secondary to the other two main pieces. Todd, did you misspeak and say receiving yards? I thought you meant air yards. I know you're a huge air yards guy. I am not a huge air yards guy. <laughs> I will explore those vacated air yards by AJ Green uh, this year and see uh, how that will work out with the Bengals. But yeah, no. So yeah, I mean, receiving yards and targets, man. That's pretty much it. And I will play out with like averages and stuff too. Nothing too crazy. It's games per those stats. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also, I think for me too, when you talk about talent, I play low, definitely more with the eye test with a wide receiver than I would with any other position. C.D. Lamb is the perfect example. Watching C.D. Lamb playing football, and Jamar Chase is a great example this year, right? You watch those guys play, whether it's just watching a game, watching film, watching highlights, it's all very obvious that those guys are dominant athletes. And those, like, eye tests, those particular players are guys that I keep my eye on. And sometimes you miss. Like, I, I was, did not like DK Metcalf 
coming out, and I was wrong, and he developed into something. But clearly, he was a guy who popped as an athlete in with the way he like with his speed and everything. I'm with you, man, on that. Except I feel like my eye test plays a little bit more into the wide receiver position than it does other ones. Nice, man. Nice. All right. So now moving on to how we do our tiers. How did you go about tiering the wide receivers? Okay. So, I mean, in any position, it's always production over anything. But I think with production, when it comes with uh, tight ends, I mean, tight ends, but when it goes to wide receivers, is they tend to sustain production more consistently over years. But one thing I do look for is late production surges by younger players. Uh, are things that I like to look for, like uh, like Darnell Mooney would be a great example, how he came on later in the year. And uh, looking at, like I said, looking yardage and targets more than anything. So yeah, so target share and opportunity increases, that's my second biggest thing. You know, those vacated targets, Dave, they're important. Vacated targets, very important. Wow, didn't unmute. Look at you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, I'm, I'll, they... Vacated targets matter. They just matter a whole lot less. They matter a whole of a, hell of a whole lot less than people think they do. I'll say that. I was, I was like, we had a couple of seconds of dead air. I was very surprised you didn't just jump in right away. But yeah, so targets, athleticism, dynamic playmaking, how they run routes, explosion after the catch, making those big plays, speed, jump ball, all of it, you know, it matters. And I thought that AJ Brown always popped more on film coming out of college than DK. So yeah, those are things that you definitely look for. Then, of course, comes age, and then it comes uh, the QB and the offensive connection. Dave, what about you, buddy? How do you break down your tiers? I alluded to this earlier, but I care about wide receiver talent first and foremost, and I do that by measuring production. I don't necessarily care about receiving yards, touchdowns, or fantasy points, or where they finished last season, because that stuff is not predictive of future production. I care about raw volume, like targets. I care about that, but I care more about targets per game because that can adjust for injuries. And then I also care about their percentage of their offense. So target share of the, you know, of all targets in their team. And I also care about market share of air yards because air yards are a reflection of team intent, just like targets are, but it's better than receiving yards. And it's just how much volume and how much value a player, a team is placing on the player. So I really like air yards and a nice blend of both opportunity and efficiency is yards per team attempt. That's a really nice blend of efficiency and, and volume stats. And so I like to use that and it's pretty sticky from year to year. And then I also take a look at the team that they're on. And I always say this is that we are very bad at predicting the situation in the future for these players because situations change rapidly. And I always bring up Tom Brady as an example, but we can bring up Devontae Adams. Nobody thought that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be his, possibly wouldn't be his quarterback this year. And the list goes on and on. That being said, I do care about the quarterback they're attached to because that helps unlock a next level ceiling. Not that they can't do it without the quarterback play, but it definitely helps. And then I also like to look at the overall team, how how the pace of the offense they're on, like in neutral game situations, and then also their run pass ratio, their defense to see how that can also affect volume. So those are all not a large part. I care more about the talent evaluation, but I do factor in this team part and the overall situation. And then the big next part for me is the age curve and where they fall in the age curve. Now, I get labeled as an ageist and that I don't care about production. I only care about potential and dynasty value. And that is a mischaracterization of what I'm trying to do. My goal when I'm looking at a player in fantasy football 
is that first and foremost, I am trying to measure what I think they're going to be valued at in the future. So at mid-season, what's their value going to be? At In next off-season, what's their ADP? What's their value going to be? And what is connected to that is, yes, age does factor into that because older players are going to be valued less. But young players, when you see a jump, it's not a jump just because they're young or, oh, they're automatically better because they're heading into year two. No, it's because it's based on production. They go up when they produce. C.D. Lamb last year produced. Brandon Ayuk produced. And when you produce at a young age, it's been shown in the past that there's a big jump in volume the next year, especially for wide receivers with good draft capital, young, and with at least a certain amount of production in year one. They have, that is the largest jump in opportunity at any point in a wide receiver's career is going from year one to year two. And I want to get ahead of that. I want to get ahead of where they're going to be valued next year. And people are like, oh, well, so yeah, you don't care about this production. No, I care a lot about the production. I'm trying to predict future production, not what happened in the past. So that's my goal when I'm talking about the age curve and trying to and and care about these young players because I don't want to be playing Devontae Adams wide receiver one prices when his production could go down or he's not going to have that same value next year. Why not? I just wait a year and then go in at that price and buy the extended ages, that age 31 season, that age 30 season for these players at a discount instead of playing wide receiver one prices now. And I often get categorized as being a risk taker for someone who's higher on these young players and projecting them to do well when they haven't already. And I actually don't view it as a risky play. I was all in on DJ Moore last year as a top five dynasty wide receiver. I think I might have had him top three, actually. And that did not pay off. He did not produce like I thought he was. He did not take the jump that I thought he did. However, he still is valued as a top 15 dynasty wide receiver. I have him inside my top 12. And that's the bet. He's 24 years, 24 years old. He's had great production all three years of his career, and he could still take the leap this season. So it's not as if that bet didn't necessarily, it didn't pay off to the heights that I wanted to, but it was a relatively safe bet. That's the same thing with T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb, these type of players. Yeah, I might not hit that ceiling that I'm expecting where they take off to the moon for the next five years, but I still plan on C.D. Lamb being a top 24 wide receiver for the next several years. Same thing with T. Higgins. And I like that bet instead of having paying elite, elite, heavy, high value type premiums on the DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, or the Michael Thomases. And then a year from now, their value crater because that production people thought was going to be there wasn't. And I have to come back and say, this is not me hating on DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams. I'll just get in for that late stage career at a lower price in the future. I just don't want to do it at wide receiver one overall prices. I want to emphasize again, it does not have to be an either or situation with being going with young and youth versus proven productive players. I can get both. I want to bet on my talent evaluation. Now, am I going to be right? I'm probably going to be off right as much as I am wrong, but the same thing happens with proven production injuries, and the like. So I'm going to try to bet on what I think is going to happen. I don't care necessarily as much as what everyone else thinks all the time. I value my opinion, my analysis, and I think when a player is going to be in the future, I want a piece of that, and that comes with production now and in the future. So the only thing I disagree with you 
is when I look at your tiers. Is I don't think you're looking at it from a year from now. I think you're looking at it from a few years now. Because it almost is kind of saying that, okay, uh, actually, I take that back. Because I will tell you, I can see your va- your value argument coming into play there a little bit. But from a t- production standpoint, that's where I just like vastly disagree. And I won't really go into too deep because I feel like when we get into our tiers, that's going to come out shining <laughs> between yeah. the difference between you and me. You know, um, you get what I'm saying, though. So, like, I, I, I think that the value hit that you're saying that these guys take, I think it's a little overblown for the position, and I, that's where I, I disagree. And I, I could already tell who our number one example is going to be. It's going to be worse than our Derrick Henry dispute. So <laughs> it's tough to get worse than Derrick Henry RB19. I'll say that. Much. Oh my god, one of you, uh, this, oh, one atrocious Dave. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, Dave, why don't you uh, introduce Tier 1? I need a minute. So Todd's Tier 1 is Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Justin Jarvison, DK Metcalf at 4, CD Lamb at 5, AJ Brown at 6, and Stephon Diggs rounding out the tier at wide receiver 7. So he has 7 players in that top tier, whereas I have just 3 players in my top tier. I have Justin Jefferson at 1, AJ Brown at 2, and DK Metcalf at 3. David. You have a very small tier, right? So one of the things that, let's also put in like, all of those guys are also in my tier. So, but the fact that you only have three, two, the two guys on top, Jefferson and Brown, they have less than elite QBs chucking in the ball, but you have them as like your top two options. And I could say that Cousins, no longer being the QB, could be a possibility at some point. Tannehill. Looks a little more steady at the moment. Doesn't that concern you a little bit buying to these like less of established situations? Yeah, Todd, I mentioned this when I was talking about my tiers that we're just not very good at predicting future situations. So who knows who the quarterback's going to be in the future for the Minnesota Vikings or the Tennessee Titans. But it has been shown already that Ryan Danhill is more than adequate at supporting A.J. Brown. Kirk Cousins supported two top 24 wide receivers last season. And then uh, Russell Wilson, the most efficient QB that we've seen the last 10, 15 years. So yeah, Russ, those quarterbacks are more than capable of supporting elite type wide receiver production from DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, and AJ Brown. All right. And that's, I get that. And I don't disagree with you. That's why those guys are in my top tier. And that's also why for age, they just haven't got to the consistency of being elite options yet to put them over a hill or an out. So do you have anything you want to ask me? Yeah, just actually, and just kind of following up actually a little bit, because I should break down my tier a little bit before I, I actually ask you your question, Todd, because, you know, why do I have Justin Jefferson as my top overall player? It's because what he has done, it's basically Odell Beckham and then Justin Jefferson. Those are the best two wide receiver rookie seasons we've seen in the last 20, 20 years. So he has basically put up one of the best rookie seasons of all time, or at least it's that good. And so... And he did it by being a top like six or seven wide receiver. Um, yeah. Is it risky? He's only done it one time. Yeah. I'm willing to bet on the talent, even if it's, you know, he has some regression. I'll bet on that res- that retained steady value that I can bet from Justin Jefferson for years to come. And AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, I think people kind of know what the argument is for them. But now moving on to your tiers, Todd. You've got kind of a, a mismatch. You've got the young players. You've got the Jefferson, AJ Brown, and DK Metcalf. 
But then you've also got some older players. Tyreek Hill, I think he's in his 20, age 27 season, right? Devontae Adams, I think he's heading into his age 29, or he's in his age 28 season or heading into age 29. And then Stefan Diggs is in his age 27 season, Todd. Though I feel like those are two sets of different players. How do they all fit in one tier for you? Okay. So for me, you're looking at the two elite options and they're staying on top of the mount until they're knocked off. Tyreek has been consistently a top, has had the most wide receiver one in wide receiver two weeks than any other player in football last year. He's just consistently dominant and he's with the best quarterback in fantasy and he has Travis Kelsey over there still not, still having maybe everyone keeping him honest. So why would I just be looking to see, to move on from that? So I feel like Tyreek Hill is gotta be your one right now. And the only reason why I'm for sure putting him over a Devontae Adams now is because of the QB situation. But let's use the line you just used in me. Targets are earned but not given. Devontae Adams has been averaging almost 11 targets a game across three seasons, Dave. The guy's averaging almost a touchdown a game over three seasons, 0.87. That's a very volatile stat with a lot of consistency built into it. And that's including not exactly a stellar season with touchdowns with that five in 2019. And I kind of feel like, yes, the share will still be there no matter whether it's Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball or Jordan Love throwing the ball. And let's also just talk about Jordan Love for right now. What a phenomenal weight super flex value play if you were able to do it before all this madness came out. Because Love is already being just absolutely shat on for being a poor team choice, which is actually not looking so bad right now, <laughs> given their situation, and the fact that he's just not Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams can be a wide receiver one with Jordan Love. I don't understand why people don't see that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not taking him down. The guy's been absolutely dominant, dominant, dominant across the last three years. So I just don't, I'm not going to buy into that right now, you know? So then obviously Jefferson, pretty much everything you said is the same thing I agree with. Metcalf, same thing. Now I have C.D. Lamb over A.J. Brown, and that's where I'm buying into the town. Everyone's buying into C.D. Lamb when he had absolute garbage throwing him the ball. Like backup quarterback upon backup quarterback, right? Now he's getting back Dak Prescott, and he's my favorite rookie wide receiver ever, if not second ever. Then A.J. Brown, I'm with you on the same thing. And then Diggs, man. I mean, Diggs had an insane target share. I had a really hard time with Diggs, whether he was the top of tier, at the bottom of tier one or the top of tier two. And for Diggs, for me, man, it really came down to, you know, the emergence of what Josh Allen was able to do and how heavy of a target share Diggs had. And Diggs is the kind of player that fantasy players knew how good he could be from his days in Minnesota. So once he finally got that target share, and he's going to hold on to that for at least two or three more seasons, that's going to, he's going to be an elite top 12 wide receiver locked in. And I, like I said, I, that's why I say to you, I feel like when you say like you're playing it by the next year and you talk about the value for me, production wise, I can see Diggs even being better, you know, or at very least, like maybe only a step or two behind. And it's still like back end, like, wide receiver one as a floor. So he has to be at the end of that tier one. Now, if you ask me would I trade Justin Jefferson to trade down to Stefan Diggs, probably not. But I'm saying that 
maybe I'll try to trade up to get Diggs or some of those guys in my two spot. Interesting, Todd. And just kind of following up on Diggs a little bit, because I found it interesting that he was a tough player for you to, to where you had him. And my question is, Josh Allen had one of the biggest jumps in passing production or efficiency or just passing performance that we've ever seen. I'm confident in saying that. How good he was last year was historic. And Diggs' is, his targets were unbelievable, too. It, it's pretty going to be I don't know how he can get more opportunity than he did last year. So are you confident that jo- are you confident that jo- Diggs is going to be able to? Pre- you said yes, but it does no pause at all that Josh Allen has to basically be playing out of his mind for again for Diggs to repeat. It's not about necessarily repeating. Like I said, like a step or two behind, I'd be fine with because it's still a wide receiver one. You know, so to me, it's kind of like his floor is a back end wide one. So that's a phenomenal floor. And the thing that could really, we don't chase this, you and me are the same way, but he had eight TDs last year, right? That could easily go up. And also with the yards, his actual yards per target were lower than they were his last season in Minnesota. So he's a burner, man. I could see him being able to do more with less targets as well, but I also think that his target share is still going to stay pretty damn high. No, I, I'm a believer in Josh Allen. He made me a believer last year. But I think that the big thing with Diggs is I think what could even make him better is if his TDs just went up a, a, a smidge, you know? And I think that, like I said, the yardage, he's just such a dynamic player after the catch that I could even see the yardage staying pretty close to that, even with even less catches, you know? And Todd, I I know other people want to get past our tier ones because sometimes these players can be talked about to nauseam, but honestly, sometimes top players don't get talked about enough because everyone's trying to find the next sleeper, the next value play, and that. So I want to actually fo- one last follow-up question because I didn't really talk about DK much. In my tier either. My question to you, Todd, is, is this. It was a tale of two, se- not two rivals, Todd, a tale of two seasons for DK Metcalf last year. A first half season, second half of the season where DK was scoring touchdowns, was the wide receiver one, was absolutely just, you know, was knocking. People were like, had him locked in wide receiver one in Dynasty. He was unbelievable. He, basically, the next Calvin Johnson, people were saying. And then the second half, he really failed, trailed, faded off. Seattle totally approached. the Their offense totally changed. Now, what DK do you think we're going to get? You think we're going to meet somewhere in the middle? Are you... What hap- I've heard a lot of rhetoric coming out of Seattle, like they're going to be a run first team again. Does any of that bother you when it comes to DK? Uh, no, because I think, like I said, too, about the similar thing to Diggs is, is that he's very efficient in the way that he's able to break off like big plays. You look at a guy that's averaging over 10 yards target last year. That's something that you have to kind of respect that like when he catches the ball, it's going to be a big play. And here's the thing with Seattle. At some point, they're going to have to realize their best chance of winning is getting their best player the ball as much as possible. Like, that's, that's, it's not going to sustain. And Pete Carroll's going to need to know that to keep his job. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just, the bubble is going to burst in the whole thing with Seattle and the run. And I never think they're ever going to abandon the run. They're probably going to be one of the more like balanced teams to a certain degree. But if they want to compete, man. Their best player is a wide receiver, and they need to find a way to get him the ball as much as possible. Sometimes the Legion of Boom, I, or what, I think that's what they called their their defense back in the day, 
I think they're clinging on to that, man. I think they need to use their best assets, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson, and DK Metcalf, and throw it, let him cook. But I will say, Todd, I actually struggle with DK Metcalf the most. You talked about Diggs. I struggled with DK Metcalf a lot where I was going to put him. I had him right before the show. I had him in my tier two, down a little bit. And then I said, look, Russell Wilson's the most one of the most efficient quarterbacks in, in the last 20 years, probably, throwing the ball. Even on less volume, he throws at a higher TD rate than historical averages, and he doesn't necessarily come back down at all. And they've made improvements to that offensive line, actually. There have been some sneaky improvements to that offensive line. I think that we can see, and the way that that target distribution is in Seattle, DK is still going to eat, even if they're not throwing the ball. He can still do his damage with 120 targets instead of the hopeful 140 targets that we'd like to see from a top three wide receiver in dynasty i I do not disagree i do not disagree sir all right so tier two so my tier two is number eight overall is jamar chase then i have hopkins at nine i have calvin ridley at 10 i have terry uh terry mclaurin at 11 i have michael thomas at 12 and i have dj moore at 13 dave's tier three is only four players Excuse me. Dave's tier two is only four players. At four is C.D. Lamb. Love it, David. At five is Jamar Chase. At six is T. Higgins. And at seven is Tyreek Hill. All right, David, why don't you break down your tier a little bit for us? Well, it's going to start with like C.D. Lamb, one of the better. Like we, I, everyone talks about how great of a prospect he was coming out. He really was from a from a percentage of his offense at Oklahoma from his draft capital to his his performance as a rookie he was incredible he was efficient on his, his volume he you know he was he did it on the ground as well as through the air he did it with as Todd was saying with, with poor quarterbacks CeeDee Lamb did it in all kinds of different ways and he had a I think it was an 18% share of that offense and he actually played majority out of the slot I could see hopefully see him playing a little bit more all over the field in year two and beyond. But Todd, CeeDee Lamb is truly in that Dallas offense, that high volume with Dak's efficiency. His, I think he's to the moon. I think he's that good of a player. His upside, as even if he doesn't hit. So say if he doesn't make the jump, Todd, to a top six wide receiver this year, it's kind of it's going to be tough to not see him p- performing at a low-end wide receiver one to high-end wide receiver two value. And that's something that's pretty safe and reliable to make a bet on. I, I'll take make that bet any day because it's a little bit, I think we're have, seeing a changing of the guard at the wide receiver position. We're seeing not Hopkins. We're seeing Devontae Adams. We're seeing Michael Thomas. We're seeing Keaton Allen. They're all getting up there in age. Last year in the 2020s class was one of the best wide receivers we've had classes we've seen since 2014. So I think there's two things happening is like one, the, our, st- our steadfasts or Julio's our AJ Green's there. No, they're not what they once were. And we've got this an amazing group of young wide receivers coming in. So it's not just like a, oh, I'm just chasing them because they're young. It's a, we literally just had one of the best rookie wide receiver classes we've seen. And that, and then it comes, they followed up in 2021. You've got Jamar Chase is probably the best wide receiver prospects we've seen since Julio Jones. He can do it all. He can, he has got the speed. He's got the size. He's got the college production. He's got the age adjusted college production. He's got the draft capital. He's got a quarterback in Joe Burrow. He's performed in an offense with other elite talent around him. So it's not like he was just the 
the number one and no one else was around him that had weapons all over the place at LSU. So I'm not, I'm, I'm confident in him doing at the NFL level as well. And I mean, what am I forgetting with Jamar Chase? And now is it, five is the real thing that's tough to swallow. People are saying, whoa, there is no meat on the bone at five. You're purchasing him at peak prices. Well, I think that, you know, you've got to trust your, I, I'm going to, I'm betting on myself. I, I'm betting on my, I'm betting on others too. Their, their ability to evaluate wide receivers, that he is the one of the best wide receiver prospects we have seen in a long time. And I, that if, when you can get him and right here, I just, I think it's to the, it's just such an enticing place to have him. His value is already, he's not, I'm not even being too hot takey Todd here. He's going, he's already a, a one ADP has him as a top 12 wide receiver. So I'm not even being that hot takey by saying that he's the wide receiver five. I think the real hot take for people is, is T Higgins at wide receiver six, the same offense as Jamar chase. Uh, I think, and people are worried about Jamar Chase coming in and stealing targets. I think Joe Burrow has shown the ability, at least in college, to support multiple top wide receivers. And then also, too, there's gonna be they're gonna be throwing the ball. It's gonna be should be a high powered offense in Cincinnati. And I think T and what T Higgins d- did as a rookie warrants him being this high. And I don't. And I'm gonna get. I think you, I'll probably follow up this a little bit later, so I won't go too much more to T Higgins, Todd. But I think the community in general is sleeping on him. And Tyreek Hill, I also had a little trouble placing Tyreek Hill because he's not quite as old as a Devontae Adams, but it's going to be hard to see him. I'm going to, it's going to be hard to see him as the, you know, if I'm betting these young wide receivers are taking over, these impressive wide receivers keep coming to the NFL, Tyreek Hill being maintained that wide receiver one that you have, Matt, or a top three wide receiver in Dynasty next year value-wise. And that on top of that, he had produced his TD rate last season was off the charts. I could see him regressing a little bit, reverting back to the mean, and not having as many touchdowns. Now, is he still going to be a valuable player? Yes. I just, I, I curious if, or if Mahomes and Kansas City goes a little bit more run-based offense, uses CH a little bit more, if that TD upside is quite what it was last year for Hill. So that's why he's my wide receiver sub. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from with the idea of, the value piece, I just don't agree with how quick you feel like this this cliff is. Because you keep saying next year, as if like these young guys are all of a sudden going to overstep. And Tyree Kill has been doing it for quite a bit. And like you said, he's not that old. I just don't see the wheels coming off that soon. I think it's I think it's a little bit beyond in the year for you. And I, but you just keep saying like for next year. The T. Higgins one is hot, especially the fact that he's in the same tier with a teammate who hasn't even played a game yet. Now, I have Jamar in Tier 2, too, and you know I love him. And I love hearing you speak highly of T. Higgins after you trash him when you did these rookie <laughs> So, And also, when you told me that C.D. Lamb is a top-12 dynasty um, wide receiver after I said it, like, week three last year, and you told me that it was ridiculous, look where we are, Dave. Look yep. where we are. I, I told you he was a wide receiver one at one point. Half kidding, but... <laughs> yeah, um, all right but yeah man i'm just saying like i i, I have to give you that dig so like i don't agree with tyree kill but i i agree with why you're doing it because i totally see where your process is and i respect it you know so, so um, can i just interrupt real quick todd yeah. about the one more year thing i'm not predicting that tyree kill is going to fall off in a year i just think that his value will not be wide receiver one in dynasty in a year that's what i'm saying i don't think that his production necessarily per se is going to fall off 
I just think it's going to be a value thing. I don't I think get, it's going to be value. I get that. But my point is, is like, even though he might not be as the one, he's still probably holding on to top five. That's what I'm saying. You know, like, he, he's not falling out of like that elite level of like that top six. You know what I mean? Like, he's comfortably there for at least two more years for me, at least. And that's why when I'm comfortable with that, and I know that it's been sustained, that's why he's still at the top of the mountain. And let's just call it what it is. He has Pat Mahomes, <laughs> you know? True story. That's, True story. that's what it is, man, you know? And, Ty- and Tyreek Hill, when you want to talk about athleticism and dynamism, who's really competing with him in that regard? Not really any. You Travis know? Kelsey. Oh, okay, fair enough. No, I was talking about the wide receivers. <laughs> Whatever. But yeah. Um, all right. So I'll break down mine. So yeah, just like Dave said, like Jamar Chase is a guy. I've been telling Dave about Jamar Chase for a while because I play C2C, how high like, I was on him. And um, yeah, so I have him at eight. Um, and he's at the top of my second tier. And I just absolutely love him, man. I, I think that he's going to be an absolute stud. I played with the idea of putting him in the one. And I was like, I can't do it because he hasn't played a game yet. Um, and then Hopkins is still elite. He's still getting heavy target shares. He's still part of a high-powered offense, so he's still in my nine. Calvin Ridley is going to eat in an offense that throws more than any other offense in the league. So Calvin Ridley is somebody that I'm putting in that that tier. Terry McLaurin, a guy that I'm super high on. I love the idea of like what his target share, what he's going to be able to do in Washington. I can't wait to see who they're going to have as a QB of the future. <laughs> and then uh, Michael Thomas, dude. Talk about a guy who has absolutely fallen off after being the number one overall. I just can't, I can't let go of him yet. And because I think that it was such a weird year for him. And he doesn't have Breeze now. That's not, that's not lost on me. But I feel like putting him at 12 is like fair. Because if he gets back to 90% of what he was, that's a steal. An absolute steal. And then I have DJ Moore higher than you, Dave. In a tier higher than me, not overall ranked <laughs> higher than me. That's true. In a tier higher than you. <laughs> so the way that you and me do tiers is very interesting. Like you have like very small groupings together on the way that you do it, where I have like larger group. And this is honestly the way that I've had success with wide receivers in the past is the fact that I would be willing to trade down from a Hopkins to a Thomas, but I would need to be getting a lot back. You know, I want to be buying in on Thomas like low. You know what I mean? But you you got to be in the right deal for that. So I don't know. Like I feel like I'm a little bit more flexible at this position because it's as long as I'm like sitting with the best overall prospect, and I'm more trying to trade up for a lot of these guys than I would be trying to trade back for them. That's my second tier. Any questions? Yeah, a couple questions here. You had Hopkins back at six when we did the consensus Tales Rivals rankings back in, I think, uh, was it February, March, or, or whatever. What's changed in particular with Hopkins for you to now he's where at nine? Uh, so for one, I was 2 0 in AJ Brown. I had AJ Brown below him, and I've realized how ridiculous that it was. And if you really want to get technical about it, I, 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 we didn't do rookies. So Jamar Chase wasn't in the conversation. No, that's fine. That's totally fine. Yep. Yeah. But then, I don't know who the other guy put over him, to be honest with you. Because if I did have him six, then I, you know what? I probably had Diggs below him, you know? And I think what I like about Diggs a little bit more is, is the fact that I trust Diggs's, uh target share a little bit more than I do Hopkins. Because really? I think Hopkins, I, I, I got Rondell Moore there. 
I also, you know, when it comes to Kyler, the ability with him with the run as much, like, it's it's an offense that I'm not as confident in its predictability as I am with Buffalo. Does that seem fair? I feel a little bit more predictable in that Diggs is going to get fed heavy amounts, and that's going to be like a matchup for a while. I could see, I mean, I'm saying that I think Hopkins is still going to get plenty of targets, but I feel like I feel like Diggs is going to sustain that longer in that offense longer. But that's pretty much where I'm at with that. And then following up on Michael Thomas, he's this is his age 28 season. We do not know what his quarterback situation. For me, if I was going to pick one player who's not going to be in this tier for you next year, it'd be Michael Thomas. Do you feel that at all? No, oh, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. I totally agree with that. I think why I put him here is, is the fact that I feel like at this tier, at the bottom of this tier, 12th overall, that's the perfect risk for a guy that was not long ago the number one receiver in fantasy and a dominant number one. Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns. But I also think unknowns can also give us value, right? Like Taysom Hill was super efficient with throwing the ball. I actually think Jameis Winston put up like when he was a starter in Tampa, he was a pretty damn good fantasy quarterback, real life quarterback, eh. but the guy put up TDs and I kind of feel like Winston and Thomas is a good match. When it comes to Thomas, man, I just feel like it's just great value. And this is around the area where I'm willing to be wrong. So if you're, if I'm looking at a draft and I'm looking at DJ Moore and I'm looking at Thomas, that pick, and I would say I'm picking like five, right? I'm probably going to take more because I think Thomas could make it back to me. But in my rankings, I'll have him ahead of more, but I'm still going to play the game and understanding who I think will make it back. I think that's how you can play Thomas, man. You might want him at a place that's higher, but a lot of people are just giving up on him. So he's going to be a phenomenal value. And a lot, it, I think in redraft in particular, he's going to be phenomenal value. Would you pay more for Michael Thomas in a trade than DJ Moore, maybe? Is that kind of how to, to you, may, you might wait more, you might wait for Michael Thomas or you, you know, how are you? No. Would you pay, you, so you pay more for DJ Moore pay, in a trade too? I would pay more for DJ Moore in a trade, but that's because of what he can do in the future. The reason why Thomas is ahead of him in the tier is, is because I believe in what he can do next year and him being a, a difference maker in winning in the next season. I think he'd be more of an X factor in winning a 2021 title than DJ would be. Interesting. So you'd take DJ Moore over Michael Thomas. You'd pay more for a trade for DJ Moore, but you have Michael Thomas rank more. And I, that's interesting. And you said because of the production in for this year, I just that's a little interesting. I, I, that's, and that's how I play, man. I mean, for me, it's kind of like, and it's close. You know what I mean? And to tell you the truth, like, I probably wouldn't trade for DJ Moore because I feel like anybody who already has him is like got that death grip on him. Like if you had DJ Moore, you like invested in DJ Moore and DJ Moore's done enough to still hold on to that value where Michael Thomas, I don't have to pay more for. I could pay less for Um, in our week. I won't trade for him because Kennedy has him. I'm not going to pay less for him. But my point being is that like, I think who's Kennedy, (laughs) the walrus. Oh, the Walrus, the four, oh, our co-host. Yes. yes. Anyone who's who's listening, Kennedy is alive and well. We did not off him to continue as just the tale of two rivals. Kennedy's got a lot going on, still resting up from the back. Babies, you know, is reaching that one, that spot and they're moving to Maine. He's getting a new job. So a lot going on for Mr. The Walrus. So shout out to Kennedy. Tale of two rivals has not forgotten him. Yeah. What's up, Walrus? You just reminded me. I got to wash up my trunk. 
Right, Pesci. <laughs> All right. Uh, Todd, I do have to the say. Hoof, the hoof. It got caught in the grip. <laughs> I do need to say, Todd, I need to defend T. Higgins a little bit more at wide receiver six. Is that fair? Go for it. Go for it. I, I will battle back. Bring it. And so, Ty, so Ty, T. Higgins at wide receiver six is still hot. And the reason for that is, is I, I think it's interesting. I think one of the questions for why I had on Higgins was, is there were some questions about production in his profile. He would not produce the same level as a CD lamb did, or even for that matter, uh, uh, a Justin Jefferson did it in, in college. Higgins just did not have quite the same level of production. So there was some question marks on T Higgins. I think he answered those in year one going in there. And people said that people were like, Oh yeah, AJ green was nothing. Yeah. But I think people have to remember how much, actual volume AJ Green did get at times and what he meant to Cincinnati, what he meant to that team as a leader and to come in there as a rookie second round pick and to essentially eat AJ Green's lunch, which is that, that sentence was tough to say, Todd. Uh, uh, I think that says something, even yes, AJ Green was not himself. And I think some of it was Joe Burrow's fault. Don't get me wrong, but it still says something about T Higgins coming to do that with Tyler Boyd in the picture and with Joe Burrow going down after in week 11, I think it was. So I think there's a lot to T Higgins there. But the biggest thing and why I am so high on so many year two wide receivers is Todd. Blair Andrews and Sean Siegel have done quite a bit of work over this at Rotoviz, but mostly Blair Andrews. And they wrote an article basically displaying that for the year two jump is where we get the biggest jump for what for wide receivers. That's where you get this an opportunity. And it comes in, especially then when you talk about their age. So 21-year-old wide receiver, 21-year-old 21 21 rookies have even more than just rookies. And then 21-year-old rookies who have at least 100 PPR points is even higher, where they are, they are on average getting 20-plus targets per or more per season, and their target share also goes up. So just that year two jump is real. And it is, I'm talking... T. Higgins had a better year one season than than Nuck Hopkins did or New. I don't even know how to pronounce his name anymore. I, I forget the proper way his nickname. But DeAndre Hopkins and the thing. So with T. Higgins is people have so in DLF's ADP. Todd Ceedee Lamb is the wide receiver seven. Tyreek. I mean T. Higgins had a better target share. He had more targets per game. He had more receiving yards. He, I think he had maybe more touchdowns. He had more yards per team attempt. He had more mark share of air yards. Several the 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 categories that matter. T Higgins was better than Ceedee Lamb, and they both had quarterback concerns too. And they have both and you know T Higgins had to deal with AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, just like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So it's similar situations. And T Higgins did it better, but for some reason T Higgins is the wide receiver twenty one in ADP, and Diggs is the wide receiver seven in ADP. That gap does not make sense to me. I am sorry, Joe Burrow could be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. People, he's going as wide receiver seven in, in Dynasty ADP, Todd, or QB seven. People are projecting to be a good wide receiver. So why can't T. Higgins with a great wide receiver? Well, I don't get the gap. It's I think it's one of the best values in Dynasty. And why is he wide receiver six for me? Well, I just laid it out because of all those predictive measurements. Give me AJ, T. Higgins. Give me the jump and where he's going to be. People are going to be valuing him next season. I'm valuing him there now. And I'm going to scoop up that value right now. All right. I mean, I can respect it. I mean, I loved T. Higgins last year. Um, I think he was like my four in our rankings. And um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think the big issue with that is that 
giant unknown that is Chase and what he's going to command in a target share because he's that good, <laughs> you know? I think like Amari that, Cooper, right? Sure. Well, I would actually say that, like, it's actually interesting to drop Cooper. Cooper was a very good rookie profile. But, but same, and too, Cooper's that good of a wide receiver now, too. Sure, sure. But I, I believe in Chase more than that. Hence why he's significantly higher than Cooper in my ranking, you know? But no, I mean, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying it's pretty bold for six in, in the second tier. But, you know, it's, it's not crazy. I'll give you that. It's not crazy. I mean, I have him in tier three, you know? I'm 10 spots lower than you, but I do have him in the next tier. So it's not like moving him up in the tier two is nuts. I think that having the six overall wide receiver is over some guys that, I mean, here's the issue I have with this. <laughs> All right. Is the known target shares that you're putting over him. Hill, Diggs, Ridley, Devontae Adams, you know, like these guys, like what, like that's a little ridiculous for me. Uh, and even Hopkins, you know. So I get the idea of the jump, but the jump would be like you're expecting him to be taking in like that kind of a target share with one of the best rookie profiles coming in at the same year too. That's a lot to ask, you know? So I think that's where my it it's the level of work that he's going to get is so varied in what the outcomes could be. That that I feel like if you hit, you're f genius. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like I like it. I like it a lot. I just, I just don't have the same confidence as you is that. And I love T Higgins. Love T Higgins. And Todd, I'll say, I'm not drafting T Higgins where Tyreek Hill's going in drafts. So it's not like I'm going to be sitting there thinking, oh, am I going to take T Higgins or Tyreek Hill? No, I'm just passing on Tyreek Hill and taking somebody else and then scooping up Tyreek T Higgins later in the draft because I haven't valued there. Exactly. So, exactly. So it's and not like I'm going to take Tyreek Hill over him in a draft. But I'm going to take someone else at that position. That was pretty much the same thing I was saying about MT versus DJ Moore. You know Except I mean? it's so, not the same position player. So I'm right. thinking like a running back or QB. Right. Totally get that. Totally get that. Third tier. So I'll go over my tier first. My 14th wide receiver overall leading off my third tier is Mike Evans. Uh, the 15th, we have Brandon Ayuk. At 16, I have T. Higgins. Apparently, I'm too low. Uh, at 17, I got Allen Robinson. At 18, I have Chris Godwin. At 19, I have Keenan Allen. And at 20, I have Amari Cooper. Dave's third tier has four players in again. Another small tier for Dave. Eight is Stefan Diggs. Nine is Calvin Ridley. Ten is DJ Moore. And 11 is Brandon Ayuk. And I'd like to point out, still, no Devontae Adams. David, break down your tier. So it comes off of Stefan Diggs in, in this tier, and it's basically for all the reasons Todd talked about. I think he's that good of a player. He's still being valued highly in, in leagues. I, I think that he's that production that he's giving you warrants him to be in this tier. Calvin Ridley, also, I think he's entering his age 26 season. That very, and he's going into a season without Julio. Matt Ryan is still a very good quarterback. Pitts is there to take carry some the load as well. They're going not that great of a defense in Atlanta. Calvin Ridley, solid player. Still, I do think he has some durability concerns, Todd, but not enough to to move him out of this tier for me at all. And DJ Moore, actually, Todd was the toughest player for me to rank at ten. La I think he was my wide receiver five when we did this last time, Todd. 
He's down to my wide receiver 10. And because of a lot of that has to do with. He was four. Four. And a lot of that has to do with. I was expecting the Carolina Panthers to have a major upgrade at quarterback. I did not see Sam Darnold coming. I thought it was going to get Justin Fields, another rookie quarterback, or Deshaun Watson, or somewhere along those lines at the time. And I just did not. And I'm still, it's not like Sam Darnold's going to tank his value, but I think having him be in that top tier just is no longer an option with Sam Darnold at, at quarterback. Uh, I mean, well, uh, option is just as I'm just not ranking him as with as much confidence as I would have. And then Brandon Ayuk, all the arguments that I made for T Higgins about being a year two player are valid and, and there, except I'm a little bit more there. The quarterback situation is more muddled for Brandon Ayuk. I also think, and how they're going to run. I think they might run the ball more in San Francisco and there's also George Kittle there and Debo Samuel. So with the murky QB situation combined for this year, combined with how they're going to run that offense, I think it, it changes if it's Trey Lance. I that's why I don't I I mean I would I've had Brandon Ayuk over T. Higgins up until I really got honest about there's still some questions to be answered in San Francisco. But I think Brandon Ayuk's talent and what he did for that stretch last year He's had one of the best rookie seasons we've seen, and I think it's through the roof. And I think the dynasty community has drastically caught up on Brandon Ayuk in the last six months. They were not there, um, and now they have fin- they're they're ranking him more appropriately. But Brandon Ayuk is someone that I have in one spot, and I think we co-own that team together, Todd. I wish I had more of them. It's funny you bring that up because that was the pick you had to sell me on. I um I remember like Ayuk was like in my grouping for that, but he was like at the bottom of whatever grouping it was. And you're like, I want Ayuk. I want Ayuk. And you sold me on it hard. And I was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Let's invest. And now I'm like, you just see like the way our roster is constructed and seeing him like right there. I don't even think he's like, I think he would end up being like our fourth wide receiver. And I was like, Ooh, just dirty. Yeah, I, I, I loved, I love having him on our team. I, I think that the thing about Ayuk that, I mean, I have him in the same tier as you, and I have him only like four spots behind. But the Debo factor definitely concerns me a little bit, and especially with a new QB coming in. And I do think that Debo is a little bit more versatile in Ayuk in the way that he can find different ways to be utilized to get the ball. And also, let's not forget that, you know, Kittle being banged up and missing time. So he definitely uh, benefited from lack of competition at times. But can't deny the production. You can't deny the talent. You, can't, I mean, on top of having a new QB with him too, it's just a lot of unknowns of that. But he's at, and this is a perfect tier for him because he's he's actually kind of undervalued here because if he does take that next jump, he's he's too low. <laughs> he should be in the next tier and high on the next tier. So I like it, Dave. Uh, you're getting a little bold with that one, and I like it with that one. <laughs> with that one. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, for me, like, I, like obviously, you can see the difference between me and Dave. Is that like Dave? I, you do come off as an age just the way you rank Dave. What? No, I, drastically. That. I and it's yeah, and it's not because I don't think they'll produce. Now, I do fear the cliff. I do fear that risk a whole cliff. lot more. You fear, I the, fear cliff. the cliff. You fear the cliff. I do. So, fear the cliff. all right, Mike Evans is probably the most underrated wide receiver in the history of fantasy. What has Mike Evans not done? To like, like he's literally one of the most consistent players year to year. 
he's a boom bust week to week a little bit, which I think people who have owned him have to ride that wave a little bit. But I feel like Mike Evans is your 14th wide receiver off the board is absolute money because he's just been doing it, doing it well. You know what I'm saying? And then um, I got Ayuk next. I will not go more into Brendan Ayuk as David just clearly gushed over everything that I had to say. T. Higgins, I got at 16. I love T. Higgins. I love him in that offense. I I can't put him much higher than that just for the, the chase. <laughs> no, nah, nah, dude, you're a T. Higgins hater at 16. That's a hater. It's not a hater. Please. <laughs> Please. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, those are like where I got those guys. A-Rob is just an absolute target monster. And he's going to continue to be a target monster. And then the other thing I like about A-Rob is he's probably going to end up somewhere better next year. And I can't wait to see that. However, the, the fields upgrade is juicy. And I cannot wait to see that in action. Chris Godwin at 18. We're talking about a guy that was like top five on a lot of lists last year. And a little bit of a down year. Uh, got tagged and we'll see what happens with him, you know? And I believe in the talent of that one. So I feel like at 18th, he's an absolute steal. Uh, deserves to kind of like be in the same category as these guys. Keenan Allen will never get the respect that he deserves. By far the best route runner in football. Connect attached to an elite quarterback option. Still doesn't have a better guy competing for targets with him. He's going to consistently be a good wide receiver for at least two years. His floor is like mid wide, you know? And like, I love that as my 19th wide receiver. Absolutely should be in this tier with those other guys. And Amari Cooper, who Dave is somehow trying to make me feel like I'm disrespecting, he's going to be still a very productive, very good player. Uh, could easily outproduce Lamb this year, but I could see them both falling into the top 15 of wide receivers this coming season. Mario Cooper is absolutely a great value. I would say Allen, Cooper, and A-Rob are all fantastic value in Dynasty right now, especially if you're looking to make the jump into becoming a contender. I have a lot of questions this this tier, Todd. I think you explained it well. I, I really I like how you went broke it down. I'm just seeing what puts Keen Allen down in this tier for you. Because I think he has the production of a top five five receiver. He's like he out, can outproduce Hopkins. He can outproduce MT. Like he's on at like can be not quite Adams level because of the TDs, but he's that kind of producer. Why so? Why why do you have Keen Allen at nineteen? So a little bit for me. It's this is where age has come in a little bit for why he's that low. You know that thirty seasons creeping around. Obviously, it's not like something that drastic for me because he's going to be turning 30 next year, right? I'm not in ages, but at the same time, I'm also realistic, and that's where his value is probably going to decrease a little bit. He's also not exactly a huge TD guy, never has been. So that's something you just have to learn to live with, you know? So, and on top of that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers bring in a young wide receiver via the draft or via free agency or something. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. They clearly could see like he now and being dominant Y2 on a team. So it just would make complete sense for them to bring in competition. So I also think that Keenan Allen's also has definitely, definitely benefited from a lack of uh, competition in within his receiving core too. Phenomenal talent, one of my favorite players in the NFL, but age, the lack of competition on his own team and the lack of TD production consistently are the reasons why I can't put him a little higher. 
And last question for you, Todd. Really surprised, based knowing your process, how low you're on Allen Robinson. Like, what? I'm kind of shocked that Mike Evans over A Rob. A Rob had almost 50 targets, like 40 targets more than than Evans did last year. We got the QB question answered. Was a what? Finished higher than Mike Evans did last year. There's a lot to like about Allen Robinson. Why so low? I fe- I for me knowing your process, I felt like you were low on Allen Robinson. Am I? Am I? Am I? Is that an unfair criticism? No, not at all. Because I don't really necessarily think I'm low on Robinson. I think I'm higher on Evan. So I think when you're telling me like what last year was, Evans is the body of work. Evan has never been under a thousand yards. I'm not going to just like look past that. You know, Evans is consistently good. Robinson's had ups and downs. Like Robinson and and just the Bears in general are kind of a is kind of a mess. You got Evans in a really good situation in Tampa. And I like the QB upgrade, but it's still the Bears and they still like make, you know, not exactly inspired play calling. So, and where A-Rob's a free agent next year, that actually makes him more enticing, but it also makes it unknown if he's going to end up somewhere like, he's going to make like a Kenny Galladay decision and go play with Danny Dimes or some crap like that. So like, that's kind of like where I'm at with A-Rob is like, you know, there's a Chicago bias going on there. You know, he hasn't been as consistent over his career as Mike Evans. And then, like, I love the idea of him leaving Chicago, but I'm not 100% like buying into wherever he ends up because you don't know what it is, you know? So that's pretty much where it's at with A Rob. I feel like he's in a very interesting influx piece. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I would probably be trying to buy either of those guys who's ever cheaper if I meant like I'm building towards a winner right now. So not in Tier Two Rivals League. Definitely, probably wouldn't buy Allen Robinson. Makes sense. I know, but, but <laughs> are you calling me not a winner after winning three years in a row? <laughs> I was trying to pump you up a little bit, Todd. I, I was. I, we hadn't bantered much. I good. needed that. It's all good. I. I. Hey, do you know who's at the top of my wide receiver uh, depth chart now? Tier Two Rivals. Julio. Oh, my bad, man. Justin Jefferson took that over. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that sucks for you. I don't even remember who you traded. Oh, Kenny Galladay, and and oh, one thing about <laughs> and one thing about Allen Robinson signing with Danny Dimes. I don't think you have to worry about that because Danny Dimes isn't going to be the quarterback of the Je- the Giants next year. So I don't think you have to worry about that. I I agree, but that's again, <laughs> we we don't know who is. You know what I mean? It's like stuff like that, man. I'd like I would love to know the answers to these questions for in the future, but I don't. So uh, uh, tell the people. Then again, maybe Chicago trades for him <laughs> or something like that to, to back up Fields. Or no, I'm thinking like what's a team that needs a quarterback you know you know anyway anyway all right man tell the people where they can find you you can find me over at dance league football i my goal is to have one article written before the baby comes so that is keep your eyes on that i'm actually doing a lot of research on a big project that i'm trying to do reading a bunch of books to try to be smarter on said project um also check me over on my patreon at ff underscore spaceman on the patreon i just released my rankings and my tiers uh, over on the Patreon. So definitely, if you want to, from any of our tier shows that we've done over the last couple of months, you want to hit me up. Fa- they're they're over there for patrons only over on my Patreon. And uh, t- find me at FF underscore Spaceman. And hey, it's Scott Fishbowl week next week. It is the Potathon week. Get your wallets out, people. Support Fantasy Cares. Uh, support the Trevor Project that helps prevent uh, suicide um, in L- the LGBTQ plus community. 
and Toys for Tots. There is so much good being done in the fantasy injury. Listeners, if you want a individualized podcast for your league, hit up me or Dynasty Coach A on Twitter, John Arrington for the Monocle. We are doing individualized podcasts for leagues. If you donate a minimum of $100 to your favorite charity, have everyone in your league chip in 10 bucks and donate to the league's favorite charity. We will do a podcast for you talking about all your friends and and the, and the league. So definitely hit us up there. And it's charity season. We're trying to get through one of the hardest points of our lifetimes the past year. Do some good for people. If that's mowing somebody's lawn, holding the door open for somebody, paying for someone's coffee next to the line of the drive-thru, do something any way that you can, or just help out, volunteer. There's there's Not everything's financial. Well said, David. I've made my donation already, and I love the causes, and they're very close to my heart. And um, I applaud you, buddy. Reach out if you ever need any help with anything. I am Todd Foster, and you can find me at FF underscore Banterman. And I will be writing more articles over Daddy P, guys. Life is slowing down in a, in a little bit, so I'll have some more time to write. And I will be kicking off my new C2C project in the coming weeks. And I look forward to sharing that with everybody. So, from Tale of Two Rivals, we out. Be kind to one another. Great show, Todd. I'm just looking at some of my mentions here as we wrapping up. Some dude added me. He's like, oh, and just like says, yeah, I don't think T. Higgins is going to be a top 32 wide receiver next season because of Chase coming in and the questions. And I was, and I responded to him and I said, so he's going to have a worse year two than he did as a 21-year-old rookie. Okay, buddy. Um, don't think so. And then I also thought about like, am I going to dive deeper in this argument? Because he replied a couple of times. And then I looked at he has T or he has uh Trevor Lawrence is his QB4 in this rookie class. So then I said, you know what? Goodbye, folks. I'm done with this conversation. <laughs> QB4 with Trevor <laughs> Lawrence in his rookie class? Zach Wilson, QB1. Yeah, I think uh, what's, uh, you know, what's, yeah. No, thank you. Oh, dude. Ah, uh, that rookie draft where I end up getting Wilson at seven, that killed me. That killed me. I wanted to take at the end, but I had. Um, walking out with Fields, Wilson, and uh, Lance was fun and the other rookie i had was chase <laughs> so i was pretty excited that rap uh thanks so me live that for a second yeah but that's freaking awful dude like i kind of feel like sometimes like people like kind of come with these takes and then they just don't really like it's just really simplistic like like is he gonna be that much worse no <laughs> you know like i i mean i have my worries like i already shared with you about higgins and where you're projecting but that's just about, like, we don't know what a share's going to be. You know what I mean? But can't deny the talent, dude. Dude was a freaking beast as a rookie. So, wild. Wild, wild, wild. Um, how's things going with the potathon, bud? It's crunch time, baby. Crunch time. I got to get some, I got to get about 10 live reads written tomorrow and uh, get the schedule for the sponsors all done tomorrow. And then I got cousin, I got family coming in this weekend for the fourth. So I got to do a yard work and stuff to get the house ready. So, yeah, it's crunch time. Busy, busy week, buddy. Busy week. Get to work. 
And my vacation ends this week. I got to go back to work next week. Oh, geez. That's terrible. Um, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, man. Wild, wild, wild stuff. 